Hey Amazon selling enthusiast, it's Eric here. And if you're tired of the inventory management struggle, I've got a game changer for you. InventoryLab.com InventoryLab simplifies e-commerce. Inventory management integrates seamlessly with Amazon and even syncs effortlessly with QuickBooks for hassle-free accounting. Go to FoxCitiesMM.com IL now because your success deserves efficient inventory management. Happy selling. You're listening to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem, your bi-weekly dose of true crime history in a small rural community of Wisconsin. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. Gavin, we're back again, and what kind of story do you got for us this fine day? I got a story. Um, He's he's got a story, so that's a good good first step. Good first step, yes. (laughs) So, just so everybody knows up front, uh, there's no murder in this story. There's very little mayhem, so if you're here for that, come back in two weeks. <laughs> uh, is there a lot of history? There is history. I like history. So. Yes, if you're into history, this is a good one. Um, we're going to talk about an interfamily dispute. Uh, we're going to talk about two family members getting in a nasty fight. We're going to talk about, well, really, I mean, the focus of this is a member of the Greeno family, which if you're familiar with the Fox Cities area, the Greeno family was like one of the pioneer families. So we're going to get into that a little bit. Not in any great detail, because that's really outside of the scope of this podcast. But we can talk a little bit about, about the Greeno family and what they're doing in the Fox Cities area. Cool. Yeah. Let's go into it. Yes. So this particular Greeno family member is Alex Greeno, or Alexander George Greeno. But I'm just going to call him Alex He's born 1834 in Green Bay. He is a member of the historic Greeno family, as I already mentioned. He is not to be confused with several other people named Alex Greeno. It's actually a pretty <laughs> common name. Like, a more famous Alex Greeno is, like, this guy's uncle or his dad's cousin. I don't even know what he is, but he's a, it's a previous generation. is a better-known Alex Greeno. Not that guy. So... When he first arrived in the Combined Locks area from Green Bay, he settled in the Combined Locks area. And I have to call it the Combined Locks area instead of Combined Locks because there was no Combined Locks as a village at this point. It was a vast wilderness. Ooh. Yes. It's kind of hard to imagine it as a vast wilderness. It was a vast wilderness. (laughs) The family built a log cabin near what would become Combined Locks, and allegedly the first Catholic Mass in the area was held in their home, performed by Reverend Samuel Mazzucchelli. And I I have some suspicions about that being the first one in the area. I guess it depends what you mean by the area. Because if you mean like in Combined Locks, well, yeah, then probably. <laughs> but there would have been some earlier in, in Appleton, Green Bay, probably even Kakana. So... Yeah, it's a little sketchy, but, but area is a vague term, so I'll let it slide. All right. The home was a resting place for travelers seeking shelter and entertainment, because in the early years, this again being like 1830s, 1840s, it's a vast wilderness. People are traveling through, and there aren't a lot of homes. Mostly the Greeno family homes. There's a Greeno family home in Kakana, and there's one in Appleton. Now there's one in Combined Locks. So <laughs> people coming through down the river, or up the river, really, because the river flows backwards. Backwards, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 1857, Alex married Mary Philomena St. Louis, 
in Little Shoot. Her family was also another pioneer fur trading family, the St. Louis family, um, which is a great last name, St. Louis. She was allegedly the first white child born in the area. Again, not sure how you yeah, define yeah, the yeah, area. Yeah. That's a little weird. Yeah. So, so like, now you said that, like, she, she was from Little Shoot. So it's Little Well, they, she wasn't from Little Shoot. They got married in Little Shoot because the church was there. Okay, so like at this point in the 1830s, was Little Shoot actually something? I would just assume it was nothing. Okay, so they're married in 1857. Okay. And Little Shoot, I don't know exactly when Little Shoot first had people settling in it, but the big influx of population was in 1848. Okay, so it was probably a big Yeah, because in 1840, so here's the history part of the podcast. 1848 is when all the Dutch boats arrived, and the Dutch people came to Little Shoot. So these these people aren't Dutch; they're French fur traders. So you know they're here first. But but by this time, 1850s, Little Shoot would have really sprouted up with all the Dutch people. So they're married. Uh, her father was working on the government canal in the combined locks Little Shoot area. When the Fox River Improvement Company finished the canal in 1856, so shortly before he was married, Alex became a lock tender at Combined Locks. And if you didn't put that together, that's why it's called Combined Locks. <laughs> because there's locks there for boats traveling through the canal. He served as the lock tender for about 10 years, 9 or 10 years. And then the Civil War breaks out. During the Civil War, Alex becomes a mail carrier. And he carries mail between Shano and Ontonagon in Upper Michigan, which is a heck of a distance. What distance, yeah. Yeah. He uses a team of horses when he could, and he walks with the mail in a backpack when the trails were too bad for the horses. He would later tell a story that he once reached the Montreal River, which is up by, like, the Michigan border, and the ice was too thin for his horses. He had with him nine bags of mail, each weighing 100 pounds. So he had 900 pounds of mail, apparently. An Indian man was in the area and offered to carry the bags across the river one at a time in exchange for two quarts of rum. Did he accept that offer? He accepted that I, offer. I would hope so. He accepted that <laughs> offer, and the mail got to the Michigan side of the border. So there's classic trading booze to the Indian story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, after the war, he comes back uh, to the area, apparently no longer needed to carry mail because people are coming back and they can do the job. So he goes back to work as a lock tender again, combined locks, for another 36 years. Wow. <laughs> Pretty much the remainder of his life. He's married, as I said. He has several children. Here we go. We're to the point of our story. Now that I've given some background on Alex, are you ready for us getting into the actual I am. reason we do this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. It's the evening of Sunday, March 14th, 1909. Various family members are gathered at the Alex Greenough home. Alex's sons, Louis, who's from Shano, and Robert, who's from Minnesota, had come to Kakana to care for their mother. She was getting up in years and really wasn't able to take care of herself anymore. And Alex, being a man, couldn't take care of her either. Because he's incompetent and can't cook meals and do things like that. So now are you saying, does he now live in Kakana or is he still in the technically combined locks? He's in combined locks, but but, but yeah, it's a, it's a fuzzy area because combined locks didn't become combined locks until like 1920 or something like that. 
Okay. So it's the combined locks area. Okay. But it's not technically. It's, you know. Yeah, I, I see. Like, yeah. like at Kakana would have been a city at that point in time. So they would have just considered it the outskirts of Kakana because right. combined locks didn't exist. Right. Okay. So they came to take her away. And apparently up to this time, Alex, the father, was taken care of by his daughter because his wife was old and feeble. But she was going to move to Appleton with her husband. So now Alex is concerned. He's like, you're taking my feeble old wife away and my daughter's moving. I'm going to be all alone. I don't know how to do anything because mm-hmm. I'm an old man and I make women do all my work. <laughs> so he doesn't like the situation. So Robert, the son, went ahead with this plan to move the mother out. And he went, he got a team of horses to bring his mother's possessions to the train um, Alex, not very happy with this, goes out drinking throughout the day. He's, uh, he goes down to Kakana and he's drinking in the different taverns and whatever. And he is not excited about this plan at all. When he gets back, having been drinking, a fight breaks out. <laughs> the physical altercation between Alex and Lewis, the other son, not Robert, but Robert and Lewis are the sons, left the son stabbed with Alex's hunting knife. And the father with a broken nose, a cut lip, and without the use of his left eye. Uh, family members ran next door to summon help. And when they returned, they found Lewis standing over the unconscious body of their father. <laughs> Lewis was saturated with both his and his father's blood. And the only words that he could speak were, I had to do it. Two doctors were called and fixed up both men. They found blood pooled on the carpet and spattered on the walls and the furniture. Then the local police officer, Marshal Richard Conlin, arrived. The Greeno children bound their father with rope, and when he woke up, he said to the marshal, You know, Dick, you could always handle me and even hold me with just a thread. You don't have to tie me up with a rope. (laughs) Son Robert Greeno, not the one who was stabbed, asked that a warrant be served on his father for assault with intent to kill, and he was brought to the jail by the sheriff and held on $3,000 bond. Lewis was still bleeding three hours later, and at this point, they decided they should bring him to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) So they put him on the trolley, and they bring him to St. Elizabeth Hospital. The blade, the hunting knife, allegedly went in four full inches. Wow. And somehow managed to miss all of his vital organs. From jail, Alex, the father, swore he acted in self-defense to prevent a further pounding from his son. But those who knew his violent reputation had their doubts. While in jail, Alex was treated by a doctor who feared that his age made him susceptible to life-threatening colds if he did not rest up. Apparently getting knocked out <laughs> was enough that this guy could get sick. I don't know. I'm kind of confused by that. But Son Robert spoke to the media, explaining that a few years ago, his father had pulled a knife in a Kakana tavern and scared everyone out. He said, When father is drinking, he believes he can whip anyone in existence. He arrived home at 5 o'clock under the influence of liquor. We were all home. We sat there talking for a while when I asked Father to come to supper. As we were about to leave, Father went into the bedroom and returned with a knife, with which he made a lunge at Lewis. Robert said he did not think the fight was about moving his mother, but he would not tell the newspaper what the real cause of the fight was. Reporters then visited Lewis in the hospital, and his story was very close to his brother's. He said... What he did wrong wasn't that he knocked out his father. What he did wrong was that he didn't knock out his father soon enough. 
God. He said, if you check my body, you'll find scars all over it. And not just from this occasion. His father had beat him up before. Alex was out of jail almost immediately. His bond was posted by William Lamour and Hugh J. Mulholland. And the reason I bothered to mention their names is that both these guys were actually fairly well politically connected older men. Hugh Mulholland had actually been the Kakana mayor for a while, among other things. So um, these aren't just like two friends. These are like actually guys who probably shouldn't be bailing out someone who stabbed their son. <laughs> like that, I would think that doesn't reflect well, but I don't know. Whatever. The preliminary hearing was supposed to be held at the end of March. This is the same month of the incident but was postponed for three weeks in the hopes that Lewis would be well enough to appear in court. And indeed, after three weeks in the hospital, he was finally able to go home, walking with the help of a cane. So at first, it took him a couple hours to even bother to go to the hospital, and then he ends up staying there for three, three weeks. weeks. Jesus. So apparently, it was pretty bad. The father waived his right to the hearing, and a trial date was set for September. Um, I don't know the details of the trial, but... They, you know, they went on trial, and what do you suppose the outcome was? I mean, God, I hope it was, it's probably not guilty, but I would really hope it was guilty of something. <laughs> the outcome is not guilty. <laughs> Dude, do we, so you don't know, have any sort of idea of why he was found not guilty? I not, mean... Not in the details. He was, he was found not guilty. Um, the jury said that they felt that several members of the family were involved in the incident, so to just put the blame on the father was unfair. So they let him go. That was what the jury told the media. Interesting. It's a, <laughs> so not that he didn't do it, but they're like, you were all fighting. You were all fighting. Yeah. You stabbed him, but it's not your fault because you were all fighting. I, I really hope that there's more to it than that because cause this seems pretty uh I feel weak. that there, there has to be more to it, but that was... I did wasn't able to really find a lot of details about how they argued it in court, but it really did. It comes down to like the son saying my dad stabbed me, and the dad saying my son knocked me out. So you know, I I could see them making that argument either way that they're equally responsible. responsible. Yeah, I mean, obviously the stabbing had to have happened first because he's not going to stab a guy when he's unconscious. <laughs> but whatever, you know, jury knows they're doing sure um the mother did get moved to the son lewis's house in shauna so that did happen uh and then alex died in 1921 at the home of his son james totally different son that we didn't talk about he had in total worked as a lock tender for 41 years wow that's crazy a long time and then he had a bunch of kids and he's buried in holy cross cemetery in kakana Strangely, and maybe not, but I think it's strange, his wife is buried in Shano. I think it's strange that they're not buried together, but maybe I'm reading into that more than I need to be. I think you are, because I think she was in Shano when she passed. Yeah. And uh, at the time, it was probably just easier to bury her in Shano than yeah. to transport her all the way back here. I think that, I mean, that probably is, that probably is the case. It's just kind of weird to me. Yeah. I mean... From today's perspective, it would be weird, but yeah. but I don't think it is really that weird. So so basically, this is just a story of somebody from a reputable family in this yes. area that, that happened to be a drunk and yep. stabbed his kid, yes. more or less. Yeah, the story, the story itself isn't that major as far as the crimes go. 
But it's because of the fact that he's a member of the Greeno family, which is like a major historical family in the Fox Cities. That's the reason that it's, I think, worth telling. Yeah, we give you the little bit darker side of the of the legendary family. So if you go to the Greeno home and you walk yeah. around their beautiful mansion and stuff, you can think, yeah, somebody... One of these people stabs them, their kid or something. Well, this is see, but this but is this, this is, is a different branch. This yeah. guy didn't live in that yeah, house. No. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure he was very closely knit to that family yes. as well. Right? Yes. I yeah. Mean. They were all pretty close to each other. They um most of the family at this point not so much anymore. But at this up to this point they were all like fur traders Interest. with each other and stuff. And here, you know, you don't do a lot of fur trading. In the nineteen hundreds, we just Work as lock tenders. So, how did you get turned on to this story? What what brought you, made you discover this? I don't recall originally. I've I've known vaguely about the story for a long time, and I don't recall if I knew about it because of reading about the Greeno family and it came up, or if it was a coincidence that I heard about it. Because in going through like the old microfilm, I've run across the story on accident a couple times now. Because, like, the headline is huge. Mm. Like I said, like, today, dude stabbing a guy, not, like, the biggest story in the world. But at that point in time, because it is a notable family, this was a big deal. Okay, so that was another interesting question I had. Like, I mean, obviously, to us, the Greeno family is a big deal because their house is still in Kakana. Yeah. But they were, like, a pretty rich established yeah. recognized family yeah they were already legendary at this point, point in time. time yeah okay okay what are they legendary for just being the early settlers Dollars. like they're like the first big white, white family, family yeah in, in this area okay interesting so well i don't have a really i mean it's a pretty straightforward question or yeah story not so much not much going I don't know on if here i can really add much commentary to it yeah i mean i'd like to flesh it out a little bit more like I don't have that to do, but I'd like to find something to flesh it a little bit more. But that's really about it as far as the story goes. Yeah, and I would really like to hear, because of the the way the trial worked out, mm-hmm. I would like to learn more about what actually was presented yeah. in the courtroom. Because I think there is a lot more to that story than what you're reading there. I, and, I, and I agree. I'm not sure how much of it was reported, but if I can find it, I'll find it. And yeah. I would love to know if they ever actually made an argument, uh, like a legal argument, about it being something besides the moving the mother out. Mm -hmm. Because that was what all the papers said it was about. And then the one son's like, no, 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 that isn't really what it was about. But they wouldn't say what it was was about. about, So I'd kind of like to know if if it came out what it was really allegedly about. And if it, like, ties into the fact that apparently the father and son have beat each other up before, so... Right, and and to be honest with you, based on what you told in the story, mm-hmm. I just envisioned this guy sounds like he was a drunk. Yeah. And there's not a lot that, depending on the type of drunk you are, there's not a lot to set you off. No. I mean, the... When you find out what the, they were actually arguing about, it might have been the most petty thing in the world. Yeah. It's just the alcohol really pushed it to, yeah. to an, a violent state. And that's, you know what that's I mean? the way they wrote about they wrote about this guy, was that he was apparently that kind of a drinker where he was actually a really nice guy most of the time, but he put a little liquor in him and dude was just a jerk. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's how some people are. Yeah. So, 
well, it was a good, quick little story for everybody. Yeah. So, and brought you up a little bit on your history. Now, if you didn't know why the Green Home is in Kekana, you now know that it's a famous family. So, yeah. early settlers. I mean, if you want to do a whole podcast series about the Greeno the family. family. Oh, man, I, I know so much. <laughs> I could tell you stories upon stories about the Greeno family. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'd, I'd be willing to do it. Should we Should we do our survey where we say, listeners, we're going to do a four-part series on the Greeno family. If you are opposed to this, please let us know at milwaukeemafia at gmail.com. Yeah. And we won't do it. But if we don't hear from you, we'll probably do it. That's reason. A four person instead of actually doing like a whole spin up thing. Four person that seems reasonable. Yeah, yeah. If you totally want to put that together, we can put that out. So I would do it. All right. I mean, I've already got that information anyway. Yeah. So not it will not be the next episode. No. I'm assuming, but no. with time down the line, it's on Gavin's bucket list, and we yeah. will put. Something I already know. Together, I already so. know what the next one is. So cool. Do yeah. you want to give a little sneak peek into that or? Uh, I'll give you a, a very vague. I don't want to give it away, but it's a it's a politician, a senator, a senator who was killed in Wisconsin, and he was a senator at the time he was killed. Yeah, no idea. So yeah, you, you gave nothing away. <laughs> right, right. I so, know. Well, I know. You might have given something away to a listener. That's it's pretty much obscure. Smarter, it's pretty obscure. Me, I but, don't expect anybody to know this story, so. but a guy who was a senator at the time. Was shot and killed. killed. All right. Well, we will be back in two weeks with that one. And thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. Join us in two weeks for another exciting episode of Murder and Mayhem.